next into the tank is a better version of a ubiquitous workout necessity. What's up, sharks? My name is Chris. I'm from Dallas, Texas. Yeah. And my company is Ice Shaker. I'm here seeking $100,000 for 10% ownership in my company. Sharks, as you can tell, I work out. <laughs> the Ice Shaker. The Ice Shaker is a double wall vacuum insulated shaker bottle that will hold ice for over 30 hours in a 75 degree room. The insulated bottle does not sweat. And here's my favorite part. The Ice Shaker is a kitchen grade stainless steel, so it doesn't absorb odor. Bros! Me and my brothers, Gordy, Dan, Rob, and Glenn Gronkowski. Wow. Together, oh my God. we are the Gronks. Wow. Give some super claps for super Chris Gronkowski. Woo! Welcome, Chris. How are you doing today? What's up, Joe? Oh, uh, you know, just uh, living, living the dream over here. It looks like you're about to live a dream. Man, it's been a, a long time coming, I guess. I, I don't know if it's a dream or a nightmare at this point, but uh, getting close to moving into the new house, so it, it feels good. That's that, that is awesome to hear. So uh, let's just jump right into how were you feeling walking down this hallway? Man, there it is. Yeah, I was pumped, man. I was ready to go. So, um, you know, walking out there, it almost feels like you're you're walking onto the field for a game. And uh, man, if you're prepared, you know, you're kind of nervous. Uh, you can Leon, you, but you're at the same time, you're confident about it as well. So. I was walking out with a, a, I feel like a little bit of swag there, I hope. And um, yeah, I was ready to go. I probably rehearsed my pitch a thousand times. And, um, you know, by the time I actually got out there, I already felt like I knew the Sharks because I've watched so many episodes and I've studied all their questions that they asked in the past. So by the time I actually walked through that tunnel and got on stage, I was like, man, what's, what's up, guys? Like, yeah, I, I feel like we're best friends already. Well, would you say it was it's easier to prepare for a uh, NFL game or this? Uh, that for sure. Um, you know, there's there's variables in an NFL game um, that will change. You know, as a play develops, so uh, you know there might be a blitz that comes. There might be a completely uh, different coverage that ends up happening while you're, you know, snapping the ball. So uh, a lot more gets thrown at you out of nowhere and you have to react super quick. So uh, it's pretty much impossible to perfectly prepare for a football game. Uh, the Sharks, on the other hand, like I had nine episodes to go back on or nine seasons of episodes to go back on and really study everything that they said they've done, uh, you, know, you know, different types of proposals that they've thrown at people. And I was ready for all of it. So, you know, by the time I walked out there, the answers were pretty much already prepared. No, that is, uh, I, I, I would agree, you know, if you actually are able to do the work of, of figuring it all out, like what's, you know, what's important to them and uh, their backgrounds and, and all the histories there to be watched, right? Uh, all the tape. It, well, not all the tape. I mean, you get like eight minutes, 10 minutes of, of the complete, uh, you know, pitch and all. But, you know, still, if you, you extrapolate that over nine seasons, you, you have a, a pretty good playbook to, uh, to, to look at and study. A hundred percent, man. Uh, that's, you know, if you do the work and you go back and you actually look at the questions they ask, they're repeative. You know, they, they come up all the time. Uh, you know, you get the question, you know, what's stopping me from making the Mr. Wonderful shaker? Uh, yeah, I prepared that one. I was ready to go for it. And unfortunately, he never actually asked that question. So uh, at that time, we didn't have any patent or proprietary uh, formula or anything like that. So uh, I was just 
ready to get absolutely hammered by Mr. Wonderful. And the exact opposite happened. He actually was the first one to make an offer. Mm. And so going going in uh, and knowing that your your brothers were down the hall, uh, was that how how did that come together? Because that's a lot of people uh, to to all have and with timing to make it all happen like that. Yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, I believe my brother actually, uh, multiple brothers had to fly out the same day. Uh, so they took a red eye uh, in the night before they got there. Uh, we were, I think, the first pitch in the morning. Uh, and then after that, they they flew out right afterwards. So um, I got to foot a nice marketing bill to fly them all first class and make sure they got there on time and in a comfortable uh, you know, fashion so that they could show up and have some juice uh, during during the filming of the show. That is, way <laughs> hey, uh, you know, it's it's good to have some write offs, you know, and because uh, if you don't, like, you know, you're you're kind of missing out, and uh, that's a good way of of uh, of utilizing that money to get to see all your brothers, and and again to make it all work, so that they could all be in the same place, at the same time. Which uh, does that does that happen often? I mean, now that I, I assume is all the brothers retired at this point, well, from mm-hmm. professional sports. Yeah, so we're all retired now. At that time, it almost never happened. So um, we didn't really see each other much. Actually, games kind of became that time for us to see each other. We used to go uh, to Rob's games. All the rest of us were retired by that point, and um, we used to visit his games, and that was kind of our family get-togethers at that point. So um, it was tough at that you know at that stage. That was almost six years ago. He was still playing, and it was tough to get all the brothers together at that point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You know, I, I, I can imagine. I mean, you all got your own lives and things and, you know, professional sports schedules and things like that going on. It's hard to hard to make it all come together. But that's nice that you guys were able to get together for Rob's games. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was a good time. Um, you know, the family all wanted to come out and I did get to bring uh, my kids to the last game he ever played in. So uh, pretty cool way to um, you know, kind of end his career as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So one of the things uh, watching the pitch, because I, I did it a little bit earlier tonight, uh, I wanted to to point out was uh, I really appreciate the fact uh, that you wanted this product, Ice Shaker, to stand on its own um, and to be, you know, something that it doesn't matter, you know, which brother, or which kid of of which brother uh you know is a you know a celebrity enough to to make a post about it and have it go uh you know makes make the the sales go burr so um what speak to that uh, as to why it was important for you to make something that stood on its own yeah for sure i mean right off the bat you don't want a product that's going to live or die on on somebody's name uh, at some point, that person isn't going to be relevant um, anymore, unfortunately. Uh, there's also a lot of things that person can do uh, that are out of your control that would, you know, really help grow the business or, or you know, really make it fall quickly. So um, I didn't want it to depend on that. I didn't want, you know, one star reviews because he had a bad fantasy football game that week, uh, which I'm sure would have happened. But, um, you know, really, at the end of the day, it was going to limit our market. You know, if you put that name on it, uh Fans of New England, fans of the family, we're going to buy. Uh, a New York Jets fan, a Buffalo Bills fan, a Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, we're probably not going to buy, even if they love the product, just because of the name of the product and uh, you know the fact that they're fans of an opposing team. So we'd seen it in the past. Um, you know, Rob had done a couple of different things where he did put his name on the products. 
Um, it did really, really well in the New England Territory and the rest of the country. Uh, it did not hit expectations. So uh, it was pretty obvious to me that by putting the name of the company uh, behind him or someone's name uh, was going to actually hurt the company. And um, when the Sharks threw that at me, that was like the one question I didn't prepare for. You know, I, I really didn't think they were going to ask that. I thought it was more common sense that it would actually limit the market. Uh, to me, there was an easy solution. It was coming out with a custom uh, you know, Gronk shaker, which we did do. Uh, we've done different versions of it now. I'm actually rocking uh, like a world record breaking one. It's got all of his records actually printed um, on the bottle wow. with printing. Uh, but it was a way for us to easily capture that market that did want the Gronk shaker. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, it protected the brand and it, it stopped it from being, uh, you know, a product named after a celebrity uh, that was going to, you know, kind of live or die on that celebrity status. So, uh, we stepped away or I guess, you know, I stepped away from those offers that came in that, you know, where they were pushing that the name had to be changed. Uh, Mr. Wonderful at one point said I needed to burn or melt down all the bottles that currently said ice shaker on them and change the name immediately. Uh, I'm glad I didn't do that. I think I proved to myself and to everyone else that uh, leaving the name as it was and um, making a limited edition bottle was a much better play. Yeah, I, I mean, I in in my uh, breakdown, I, that was one of the things that I said. Like, why not just make it a separate, like, limited edition or not so limited edition uh, version of the bottle, and and then you can hit that market without even having to go in, uh, like, almost like or, or white label it. You know, to if you know if it were to grow, you could white label it to the Gronk Shaker as well and have it under its, you know, expand into its own company. For sure, uh, for sure down the road but uh but you know with that said like i uh i'm curious the uh, i see you guys have a, a pit viper one now what yeah. i'm trying to figure out what the heck it, what what is a pit viper and I, I i was going through social media and stuff like if, if you get to watch the video uh i'll probably get out in a couple of days um what what the heck is it because i was having trouble figuring it out yeah, for sure. They're they're actually a sunglass company. Uh, we've done a few uh, different things with them. Uh, Rob has his own pair at this point, or he did at one point. And, um, you know, just a really fun company that built a massive following on social media just from doing some pretty ridiculous different stunts and, and posts. But um, just have grown in, in popularity. We, we became fans of the brand um, kind of around the start of Ice Shaker. Uh, we traded some products. Uh, realized that this was a really you know, interesting brand that liked to have a good time. And um, from that, we then partnered with them and we did a limited edition collab bundle uh, with them. So it's a pair of sunglasses. You get the bottle as well. Uh, we decked out the bottle so that it matched the sunglasses with the speckled uh, kind of like splashed on paint on the bottles. And um, we launched the bottle. It's been it's been a great success for us. For us, partnerships are huge because you're able to tap into someone else's audience uh, and really introduce your product to them as well. So uh, that one, that product's done done great for us. It's been a great partnership. We'll probably re-up it here uh, in the following year, probably do more of a USA theme bottle uh, with the next one. And then, um, you know, we kind of started tapping into that with licensing as well. Uh, we do have the NFL licensing now, which has been huge. Uh, it's been, you know, like a six-year game plan to get it, and we finally got it. Uh, also got all teams, all leagues, and that's a similar concept. You know, you are paying a royalty. Uh, you're paying some some decent royalties, actually, but uh, you're tapping into an audience that might never have tried or seen your product before, uh, but now their favorite team's on it, which will make it, you know, they're, 
a guy's you know favorite gift for the holidays or you know for his birthday and um just makes it super easy to to pick out an item for someone when it has their favorite team on it so uh we tapped into that just before the holiday season this season and um we're super excited to see how those products do for us you know, I, I picked up on that uh, in the social media because it's uh, like nine weeks ago, I think it was for for NFL or NBA, and then uh, just like three weeks ago for the opposite, whatever the opposite was. And I was, you know, I I pointed out at the end of the video, like, hey, you know, you got. I mean, well, first off, did the deal go through with Alex and and Mark? Have you ever? Did you guys ever close? Yeah, for sure. So we closed uh, the deal. Um, Mark's still a part of the company. Uh, my brother, Rob actually ended up buying Alex out of the company about two years into it. Oh, so, wow. um, it's Rob and I and, and Mark at this point, but Rob has seven and a half percent. Mark has seven and a half percent. And, uh, I have the rest of it. Sweet. That's, uh, not, not a bad way to retain that, uh, that ownership there and, and, and good company. For sure. For sure. Um, but, but to, to that point though, is like, look, I mean, those, that, you know, you were on season nine, we're on season 15 now, like it takes years for these types of things to come to fruition. And that's what I wanted to point out to the super entrepreneurs out there. It's like, you know, just cause you get a deal with, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that deal ever closes, but like it can still take years and years before these, these, these opportunities come to fruition. Yeah, for sure. I mean, nothing nothing great is built overnight. Um, I tell people all the time, it probably took me three or four years to realize how to you know, even run a company the right way. Uh, I got on Shark Tank six months into the company. Uh, I had no clue what I was doing. I mean, I wish I could go back and and redo it or kind of re-air and redo everything. But uh, for me at that time, it was huge. It was a, a massive stepping stone. It shot the business probably forward, I would say at least a year or two. Um, at that point, probably even more, but, um, went from a side hustle in the upstairs of my house, uh, to a full-time business. You know, I had to move from my other job, uh, it, what I was doing with my wife to doing ice shaker, um, full-time because it just exploded overnight. We had about, uh, 80,000 in sales in that first six months before we got on shark tank afterwards, the next 12 months, we did about 3 million in sales. Uh, so it shot through the roof. I took every penny I had, um, reinvested it in. Ended up, you know, going to I think over sixty SKUs in the first year. Um, I think we went over a hundred in that second year. And um, yeah, what people don't see is, you know, you get on the show, uh, sales explode, and um, I still I, I did not take a penny out of the company for over two and a half years. Uh, so I actually invested uh, probably about a quarter million of my own money in at that point. Uh, and then for two and a half years, I did not take a penny out of the company uh, because I wanted it to grow. Uh, as big and as fast as possible. And to do that, it, it took a lot of capital to build up the inventory, create new products, create new SKUs and, and tooling and everything you needed to do that. And, um, you know, that was a tough two and a half years, even though we were profitable. Uh, I was actually making really good profit all, you know, for that two and a half years, but uh, I had to grind it out. You know, my wife let me every, every day, she let me know about it because we were living off her salary for that two and a half years. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like, why don't you just come back to the company uh, with her and just continue doing that? And uh, she kind of I don't think she really understood, that, you know, the fact that I wasn't getting paid wasn't because we weren't profitable. Uh, it was because we were just trying to really build the business as fast as possible. Yeah, I mean, look, that shout out to shout out to your wife uh, for both understanding and also wanting to really try to rein you in uh, <laughs> yeah. a little bit there. But, you know, I. 
it's really it's really important to have access to to money right um so you're not trying to go and raise capital and you get to retain all that that cap the uh, percentage that you are that you you have all these years later and that you 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 own it right and it's bigger than it was uh back then so you know not taking any money like i mean you know being blessed to be in a position to be able to do that is absolutely awesome right um and but at the same time that doesn't mean you don't feel the crunch obviously your wife was like hey you know it'd be nice if you know you brought in some money once in a while too mr making selling shakers and growing a business but not you know uh contributing to the to the pool of money um so i know that's that's got to be tough on your on your end and and relationship wise yeah it's a beat down man um you know everyone thinks you're crushing it um you know on the books you i mean you are you're doing well uh, i think there's different stages of a business once because i you know i kind of live through all of them but at the beginning you know you're absolutely just scrapping it out man you're doing whatever you can uh to get a sale you're going every weekend to different shows and you're uh you know non-stop online uh you know just looking up different things just trying to figure out every marketing tactic you could possibly think of without just throwing money all over the place so um you go from there to, to actually making some money, making some profit. You feel like you're killing it. Uh, and then you kind of uh, fall back into this, you know, just couple years for me of just building um, where you're doing really well, but you have nothing to show for it at all. Um, and then people are asking, man, like, oh, it must be nice. You know, you got on Shark Tank. You're killing it. You know, it must be out. Life must be good. And that whole time I'm working 100 hours a week, uh, you know, every single day of the week, just absolutely grinding it out. Uh, really doing every single aspect of the business uh, from customer service to sourcing product to marketing to shipping to engraving. Uh, there was times when I was three years in and I was still waking up at 4 a.m., going to the warehouse, working five hours, getting products out the door, going home at 9 a.m. and working a nine to five from my house just to go back and put my kids to bed about two hours later and get back on the computer and start working again. So. Uh, man, the grind's real, man. Um, at the same time, you know, you're learning. And what I didn't really know was how to build a team and hire and, uh, you know, delegate responsibility. So um, eventually COVID hit. I couldn't go to the warehouse at 4 a.m. in the morning anymore. Uh, I couldn't go there when other people were there. And I had to actually teach other people how to do what I was doing. Uh, and that was a huge game changer for me. I also had my third kid during COVID at the same time. And, uh, you know, you didn't have babysitters anymore that could come over and watch your kids for you. So uh, it was it was a grind, but at the same time, it taught me how to build a team, uh, taught me how to delegate. And that time actually shot our business uh, way up uh, through the roof and, and taught me just a lot about actually running a business. Yeah, well, I mean, that, uh, man, there, there's so, so much to unpack there. Like, for, you know, the sacrifice of, of not, you know, being there with your kids as much and, um, and being available and, and utilizing, you know, we all get time, money and energy, right. Or time, energy and money, uh, in that order, in my opinion, uh, or the three, you know, three most important resources we have. And, um, you know, to utilize the, not only the time, but also the energy and then trying to like make it all work while conserving cash, uh, as much as possible. And then getting to a point in the business where you have to basically like relearn your business, you know, from through the eyes of somebody who hasn't done it before, you know, you've lived, breathe, eat, sleep it. Uh, and, and then you're like, okay, now I have to like learn to, to give out power and, 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 um, 
and empower others around me to be able to do the job that I need that or would do if I would, you know, had infinite time, energy and money. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the toughest thing for me to do was, was delegate. Uh, you know, I, I felt like I could do it the best. I could do it the best, but I didn't have the time to do it. Um, and really for me, I, I, I felt like I was putting something on someone else uh, that I could do myself. Like I almost felt bad about it. Uh, what I realized really quickly was once I finally did it, my teammates or my employees, they were actually super pumped about it. They were like, thanks, man. That's why I'm here. Like, I would love to take on that responsibility. You know, I don't know why you've been doing the marketing. You brought me in to do the marketing. Uh, you know, I would love to step up and do it. So um, it took me a while. And then when I started thinking about it, I kind of started really relating everything back to uh, sports and to football. But, uh, you know, if I came in that locker room and I was the starting fullback and, uh, you know, I didn't play at all, uh, which actually has happened because I was in the Peyton Manning offense uh, and he never used the fullback. But uh, if I went in there and, you know, I didn't play, it was kind of like, why am I here? You know, um, um, my talents aren't being used. What's the point of being on this team? Uh, I would like to play somewhere else. You know, that's kind of how people start feeling. So uh, once I started delegating and, and letting people completely take over what I brought them in to take over, they were pumped about it. You know, they felt like they were a part of the team. They wanted to contribute. And you just started building this culture where uh, everyone was there to win. Everyone was there to take on that responsibility or that challenge and take it to the next level. So uh, you can't feel bad about empowering someone to do something that they're there to do. Uh, you know, they're there for a reason and they want to contribute and be a part of it. Well, we will definitely talk uh, a little bit later about your NFL uh, career there. Cause I, I have, I definitely have some questions and uh, yeah, you know, I didn't even think about the fact that you were in Peyton Manning's offense and yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> a lot of special teams that year. Not much uh, offense though. <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, yeah. Well, we will get to that. So, uh, w- one thing I did want to ask though, in the tank, um, they talked about, uh, how nobody else has had done what you had done, you know, the double insulated bottle with a, with a shaker top. Um, since being on Shark Tank, how have you had to deal with knockoffs? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, anyone who's successful is going to run into knockoffs. Uh, that's kind of just, uh, the way that you know that you made it, that you made something great that people want. There's so many different tools now, um, like Jungle Scout, where people can go on and just look at your Amazon listings and know exactly how much product you're selling. Uh, They're going to do that. They're going to see your top of the category and they're going to immediately try to knock your product off. So uh, it's easy to deal with it. You just do it better than everyone else for longer. Uh, The knockoffs all disappear really quickly because they always cut corners. Uh, they, They use, you know, molds that were pre-made and they don't actually do anything different or new to make a great product. So um, they don't test the products. They use the cheapest material. They rust out, they leak. Uh, everything that we fixed or the reason we created Ice Shaker uh, to fix all these issues happens to all these other cups because you know they're not putting the research and development into it. And um, you know they're, they're not testing the materials and they're using the cheapest materials. So uh, it's happened. Uh, they come and go. It always happens to us. Um, I think it probably happens to to everyone. But I realized really quickly in business that if you take care of your customers, if you provide amazing customer support and you're there to fix any issue uh, that they might have, they're most likely going to come back and they're most likely going to tell a friend about you. And that's really the fastest way to grow. Uh, some of our customers that have been the absolute maddest at us, um, you know, maybe because their package didn't show up and 
you know, UPS delivered it to a different address and had nothing to do with us, but they're calling and, you know, going insane on the phone about it. Uh, if we solved that problem, even though we didn't cause the problem, we realized really quickly that these will become lifetime customers of yours. They're very appreciative of it. And they'll actually go and they'll tell a friend or they'll buy one for a friend or a family member and they continue to come back for years and years and years. So to get over knockoffs, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, just, just continue to get better every day. I tell people this all the time. It's been seven years now. If you want to catch me and do the same thing as me, it's going to take you seven years to catch up. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm more that much further ahead than everyone else now at this point with the product, with the relationships that we've built, uh, with the team that we built, that it's going to be very, very hard to catch us. So as long as I keep going and I keep getting better every single year, you're not going to catch me unless you throw, you know, a lot of money at it, a lot of marketing at it. And, uh, you know, you build a team that's better than mine. No, absolutely. And, and you know, well, I guess knockoffs wouldn't be as big of a deal because the bottles will rust out and then they'll need another bottle like sooner rather than later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they come and go. I mean, you see it, uh, you know, they stack all the reviews. It looks like a five-star product and, Two months later, it's back down to two and a half stars. And, you know, they stole a bunch of money from a bunch of people and tricked them. But uh, it all comes around, man. If you do a great job, people keep coming back and they tell other people. And they are willing to pay a little bit more for great service as well. One thing that we do offer is customization. Um, this was something I learned from my wife's first business. But uh, we turn our products usually within two or three days. With the holidays right now, uh, we customize bottles within five business days for less than a thousand pieces. Uh, a lot of times orders are being shipped same day and um, you know, people want custom work on it, you know, custom logo, uh, custom sayings, all that stuff. We're still getting that out the door quickly as well. So uh, I don't think I've ever missed the timeline uh, in the history of the business. Whatever we say um, is usually going to happen uh, unless, you know, there's a shipping delay that was on you know, unforeseen and not our issue. Uh, but for the most part, uh, we get everything out the door and we're extremely dependable. So uh, when people need something, they come to us, even if they need it the same week. Uh, and it's just, again, service being better um, and offering a better variety uh, and better service than anyone else out there is going to continue to bring business back to you. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So going back into the tank, uh, how did you uh, come up with your initial valuation offer? Yeah, man, I actually sat down with my dad. He's been in business for over 30 years uh, selling fitness equipment. And I asked him, uh, I got on the phone with him and I said, Dad, I have no clue what to value this company at. We're six months into it. We have 80,000 in sales. Um, how do you possibly evaluate something like this? And he's like, you know, you, you just got to make up a number, man, and then have a reason why it's that number. And I was like, well, how do we do that? So uh, he kind of broke it down. He's like, well, you know, how much do you think you're going to profit this year? Let's give yourself, uh, you know, multiple in the industry is probably, uh, you know, for, for where you're currently at. Uh, it's going to be at least a 5X because you're so early. Um, this industry is going to get at least that for e-commerce. He's like, you know, you could even kind of justify that it would be higher because you're so early. Uh, and then he said, what do you think you're going to be at at the end of the year if you err on Shark Tank? And, uh, you know, that was kind of like, hey, we're going to be at least this number. Give us the lowest multiple, which would be a 5X on it right now. Uh, and we should be at at least a million dollars in the valuation. And he's like, well, as long as you can explain it to them, it's going to be very hard for them to argue against that. Uh, and that's where it came from. Uh, I had since then asked um, multiple different people how they value it. Um, and it was kind of the same exact answer. 
it, you know, I did ask my advisor at Cuban companies, I was like, how do you possibly evaluate a company that early? And he's like, man, it's kind of like whatever, you know, whatever they can prove or explain to us is what it's worth. Uh, you know, we then kind of, it's just kind of a feel at that point. So uh, went in there and, um, you know, that's exactly what I did, you know, kind of just explain to them why I thought it was that they agreed. And, uh, and I ended up getting that valuation that I put on it. Yeah. Well, I, So I would look at it as, you know, you have to also price it to to be able to have some movement in the tank, right? Like you're not going to just anybody to uh, to raise money. So, uh, you know, I I think, uh, you know, 80,000 in six months out of the gate, you have great profit margin, right? It's not like you're it's not like you're real, real tight there. So you have money to, you know, you're making money on every bottle that you make you sell. So you have an opportunity there to to go. Plus, it's a consumable. So if I buy one, I'm probably going to buy at least two or three or four in the not too distant future. You know what I mean? I get the product. I love the product. I'm buying at least two or three right at probably not long after that. And then, I don't know, replace it, what, once a year? Yeah. yeah uh, people you know, get, like, it's yeah. just me just pull, you know, from my own bottle experience. Right. For so it's sure. like, once you get into it, it's like, okay. So you, you know, you could probably guarantee a, a three to four, depending on how uh, dedicated they are to the gym and their protein shake, you know, routine and stuff like that. Like you're going to have some variation, but yeah, I, I, I think that you're, you know, where you were asking was not, um, not crazy. And it's awesome that you were able to get, uh, get in that valuation without having to, to get the, you know kevin's 20 percent for a hundred thousand like oh, i love new england yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah okay uh-huh <laughs> oh, real, yeah. ho- real hometown price there bud um I, anyway going into it did you have a shark in mind yeah for sure i mean the sports angle i definitely wanted uh you know to get mark cuban on board i was also i'm in dallas uh so i thought that would be a good fit as well being close and you know, being able, being able to you know meet in person or swing by uh, his office, I thought would be pretty valuable. So, uh, went in thinking Mark for sure. Um, I thought Lori would be a good fit. She had some products in the fitness industry as well. Uh, I tried to get her in on the deal, and then um, A Rod was kind of the wild card. You know, he was a guest on the show. Uh, really, at that time, like there was no information about what he was doing. Um, you know, it was kind of a, an odd time for him. Um, He's kind of. Uh, still new to social media, so he wasn't really out there um, much. He didn't have a big following. I think he was just starting to do uh, the MLB stuff again with the, the announcing. So uh, really, there was nothing out there. So he was kind of this massive question mark. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really, let's try to lock up Mark, and then uh, let's just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so speaking of wildcard, Mark is sitting on the right side of the of the tank versus the left side, which is uh, weird because that's there's only like one other episode i could think of where he's sitting in kevin o'leary's seat and uh so he's almost uh, always on on the left uh which would probably throw me off if i walked in and and saw him standing you know sitting on the right rather than uh the left so how did you get connected with shark tank did you apply or did they reach out to you yeah it came through um let's see 2012 i was with the denver broncos at that time um my agent drew rosenhaus sent an email out just saying uh, ABC Shark Tank is looking for any current or former NFL players to come on the show. Uh, for them, I think it's a way to build their audience, get more people to watch. And um, at that time, you know, I, I was watching the show. Uh, every new episode I was watching, I think I'd seen every single episode up to that point. 
And um, I just started this email and I was like, man, one day I'm going to get on the show is kind of what I was thinking. So uh, started, I had nothing, you know, no, no game plan for entrepreneurship was still in the middle of my career. Uh, and about five years later, I, I came back to that email and uh, I shot an email back. Uh, at that point, the girl was like, I don't work there anymore, but let me see if I can help you out. About 10 minutes later, she connected me with the girl who took over her spot. And um, she just, what well, they wanted a video submission, just told me, hey, put together a video uh, and shoot it over. Did that. Uh, I had to wait, you know, I think it was about a week. Uh, and they hit me back up and they were like, we love it. We'd love to take you to the next steps and, um, you know, see what we can do here. So uh, quite the, quite the process still from there, but eventually got to, um, you know, go, go film. So uh, with that said, how did you go about preparing for Shark Tank? I mean, obviously you, you have, you have a family and now this business and, you know, preparing for Shark Tank is a gauntlet. So what, uh, what, I mean, you talked about already have pre previously watched a lot of the episodes, leading up to that point, but what's some of the things that you specifically did to balance, you know, business life and, and Shark Tank? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was, I was writing down all the questions they asked. Um, I was researching about, you know, other questions they asked. Um, I was trying to find other people that had been on the show uh, so that I could talk to them and get a little bit more uh, in depth of what, you know, actually happens because uh, as you know, uh, what they show on TV is not uh, the entire process. You know, there's a way more to it. You're, you're for us, at least, um, you know, you're on stage for uh, at least an hour uh, at that point. So um, I did reach out to other people to see if I could get, you know, some more information and, um, you know, just some people with some more experience on the show so that I could be prepared as possible. But uh, really what it came down to was just rehearsing the pitch um, over and over, you know, that first two minutes is pretty valuable. Uh, you don't want to mess that up. And you see a lot of people just go up there and freeze. Uh, for me, I knew if I just rehearsed it over and over, no matter how nervous I really was, um, I could still, you know, I can still rip it off and, uh, you know, do a great job of giving this presentation, uh, just because I practice it so much that I could do it in my sleep. So, uh, I think with preparation comes confidence as well. So, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was coming up there. Uh, I was speaking well. I was ready to go. I was coming off confident. Uh, I wasn't too shaky or anything like that. So uh, practicing the pitch in the mirror, practicing it in front of the people that you, you know, least want to do it in front of. Uh, so like family and friends sometimes uh, are really good to do it in front of. Um, my wife is a nice uh, you know, critique of everything I say. So uh, to do it in front of her and get her feedback uh, was great. And then you know, really just writing down those questions and having an answer prepared. You know, I went over those over and over and over again. Um, you know, the biggest one that kind of seemed to get everyone to stumble on was, um, you know, Mr. Wonderful asking, you know, what's going to stop him from making the Mr. Wonderful item, uh, you know, because they didn't have a patent. And I was sitting in that same boat at that time where, you know, I didn't I didn't have that patent either. So uh, I wanted to make sure if that question came off. Uh, I didn't end up like every other person on the show that just sat there and stumbled and didn't know what to say. So uh, I had that answer prepared. I probably prepared and uh, rehearsed that exact answer over a hundred times. What, what was that uh, answer that you didn't get to use? And then, so, you know, it, I, I had to really think about it, but um, you know, I, I came back with, you know, first to the market uh, being there first, uh, you know, uh, at that time, really uh, it's more about the person and, and um 
you know, anyone can make a knockoff, but you know, we've already proven this one to be successful. So um, passion was another one that I really hit on with that answer as well. Um, you know, anyone can make a knockoff, but you know, no one's as passionate as I am about this product. Uh, no one's going to use it like I do. You know, you, that stuff comes through and um, you know, I'm going to fight till the end to make sure that this product is successful. So uh, I had an answer like that prepared and uh, yeah, I was, I was definitely ready to, to fire it off the second he asked that question, but uh, luckily for me, it actually never came. So I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> so once you got back uh, from, from, recording shark tank how did you prepare your business for potentially airing on shark tank yeah so for me um you know i watched over and over episodes of people that just you know they ran out of inventory you know within 30 minutes of, of them airing all of a sudden you know you go to their website and there's no stock uh so the second i filmed and i got an offer i put a big order in um you know that money had to come out of my own pocket at that point because it does take a while to close so uh it was a risk for me for sure but uh, the one thing I knew about Shark Tank was they reached out because they wanted NFL players on the show. And, um, you know, I wasn't the only NFL player. They also had uh, a future Hall of Famer on the show, and there was absolutely no way they weren't going to air that episode. So um, I was happy to take that chance. Uh, I immediately stocked up. Uh, we actually made a second version of the bottle. Um, and luckily for me, it actually ended up coming. That shipment ended up coming one week before we aired on Shark Tank. So, uh, it ended up from filming to, I guess, airing uh, was about three months. And, um, you know, it came just in time for that episode. So uh, that was it, man. Like the big thing was make sure you had enough product to immediately order that. Um, the second biggest thing was capturing data. Uh, at least I thought so. I knew there'd be this massive influx of people coming to the site. You know, a lot of times it's just to visit or see what's up or kind of just check out what's going on. I knew at that point uh, if I could capture a bunch of data. Uh, I could probably get a lot of them to come back. So email signups uh, were absolutely huge. Uh, I was using AdRoll at that time as well uh, to try to retarget people on the internet as well. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of the main two. And then, uh, you know, the third one wasn't really coming in play as much, but, you know, making sure your website didn't crash. Uh, and we're kind of right there, like at the point where they kind of figured all that out so it didn't happen much anymore. Uh, but that was kind of the the third thing I had to look out for and, and make sure I was all right with um, having customer service ready to go or people to answer the phone. Their emails was was big as well. Uh, unfortunately, that was pretty much all me doing that at that time. Um, <laughs> and then we just prepackaged every bottle. Um, at that time, I only had one bottle. Uh, I had one one color. Uh, that was pretty much it at that point. We had a couple. We had a little bit of stock of a couple colors, but uh, that was sold in like the first thirty minutes. So we prepackaged a whole bunch of bottles, uh, you know, based on quantities of one, two, three, four, all the way up to six. Uh, so that all I had to do was print labels and slap them on the box. Um, so that, um, you know, getting that stuff out the door in, in an efficient manner uh, ended up with, with, you know, pretty much no employees, uh, ended up not being too bad uh, just because we already went through and we packaged everything and taped it up and we just had to slap labels on the boxes. Well, that's that was very uh, smart. I, I mean, I, I would say that ordering a big order of mostly, I guess, just one uh, color is not the end of the world because you were going to sell them regardless, and they're not going to go. Be- you know, they're not spoiling. So, yeah, you know, you know, it might take a you know an extra couple of months to sell them if if Shark Tank didn't give that boost that you would expect Shark Tank to. But like, 
you were going to sell them regardless at some point, you know, they were still uh, liquidable inventory. Absolutely. Uh, so speaking of all that though, because you were uh, all by yourself in, in that, you know, in that process, did you have a watch party? Did you get to enjoy the watch party? Yeah. Yeah. We had a, definitely had a watch party. Um, I guess I wouldn't say I was all by myself. Um, so my wife had her own business. Uh, we had employees with that business as well. So, uh, they were helping along the way too. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to have, um, a lot of her employees come over and kind of just help out. Um, and it was probably on her payroll too at the time, which was even better. So uh, I'll definitely take that. But, um, yeah, so they, they helped, uh, friends and family hopped in and and helped as well. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like I was the only guy sitting here packing and shipping everything. Uh, it was, it was a grind for a bunch of people that stepped in and helped us out for that first week. So, uh, watch party was good though. You know, definitely had to have the watch party. Uh, you know, I, I kind of hate watching myself. So, uh, kind of just. I just kind of chilled and kind of sat in the back and um, everyone watching, you know, it was a good time. Got the offer. Everyone started to kind of going crazy partying, you know, slapping each other up. So it was good stuff, man. <laughs> and uh, how did the sales and traffic go, go that night? Man, it crushed. It crushed. Um, you know, I, I would say I probably had one of the worst websites ever, like looking back on it. Like I, I was so proud of it at the time. Um, but now if I ever relaunched it, it would be like, what are you doing kind of thing? Um, it did well though. I think we had about 35,000 people come to our website, um, the first day, like that first night, uh, the next day, I think it was actually more people, uh, if I recall correctly, but, uh, most people went to Amazon on the pitch. I mentioned that we saw on Amazon. Uh, so even to this day, when we re-air it's our Amazon sales, uh, they sell more than our website. Mm -hmm. So we see this massive spike on Amazon. I don't know if shark tank, uh, fans just like shopping on Amazon more, or if, uh, it was because I said it on the show, but, uh, we had stock on Amazon. It was actually our older version that we had a little bit left of, uh, the game plan at that time was to drive people to our website. Um, don't know if it was the best, best game plan or not, because we sold out of stock on Amazon in 30 minutes. Um, and then people came to our site and bought, but they weren't buying at the same speed that they were buying on Amazon. Uh, so I think we could have sold a lot more product if we stocked Amazon, uh, but I did at that time, like I truly wanted to know who our customer was. Uh, I started the product as uh, you know a, a shaker bottle that I thought would be a bunch of meatheads like myself that are in the gym looking to chug protein shakes. Uh, and I realized pretty quickly that when we tried to target that demographic, it wasn't really selling that well. Um, when I started to really dig in and think more about it, I realized that I probably wouldn't buy it myself, but I would tell my wife about it or my girlfriend or whoever it was, and she would probably buy it for me. Uh, so we started actually targeting females uh, and our sales started doing way better. So uh, pretty interesting to see. We then, um, because of that reason, we started to create products that were more geared towards females. Our second item was actually a skinny tumbler. Um, and we realized pretty quickly that they were buying for their boyfriends or husbands, even their kids. Uh, but now they were also buying a product for themselves as well. So uh, we built a lot of our products based around our demographics once we knew who they were. And we really found out who they were uh, because of Shark Tank and at that time because of Facebook ads and the data that was available on Facebook. Um, you used to be able to take those email addresses, plug them into uh, Facebook and then pull a report uh, about your audience. And that report was super detailed down to, you know, what car 
these people drove, how much money they made, how many people were in their family, what, what education levels they had. So um, luckily, like for me, at least at that time, uh, it gave me this amazing portfolio um, you know, of, of who my customers truly were. And I used that to benefit us. Uh, we found out really quickly that our best customer was actually um, a female that was over the age of 40. Uh, and she was buying for her husband, her kids, sometimes uh, grandkids, uh, and then for herself. And then she was coming back as well and buying for gifts, for holidays, uh, for birthdays, stuff like that, too. So uh, when I started the company and we started first advertising, I would have never targeted someone like that uh, and quickly realized that, uh, you know, that was the person that we wanted to target the most. So uh, pretty interesting. That, that's for sure. I, I've, I've learned a lot um, over the years, but that was for me was one of the big things that I learned early on. Yeah, you know, that's one of the reasons. So I, I offer a, a free avatar building guide, uh, joeparter.com slash avatar. And, you know, I, I tell people, I'm like, look, you're going to fill this out. You're going to answer 64 questions about who you think you're going to sell to. And then what you might realize is that it's the significant other of that person you just built because that's not who you got to actually market to. It's kind of like kids and toys, right? Like you got to market to the kids to get the parents to go buy the toys. Yep. You market to the parents, it's just all noise, right? So it's just quite static. But yeah, I think that's um, that's awesome that you figured out that like that's who you actually need to go after, not necessarily the. You know, it's funny. It's like uh, what do they say? Like the the meatheads, they 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 work out and everything like that, so that women will find them attractive. And it's the other it's the other bros that are like you know, <laughs> yeah. slash all the best and stuff about how how great the gains are. You know, it, it's look, people that nerd out about things. It doesn't matter what you're nerdy about sports or, or working out or camera equipment or video games. It doesn't really matter. It's it's going to be the other people that are really into it. But it's going to be the the people outside of that that need to figure out what the gift is for this year because Christmas is coming. Birthdays are coming. And it's you know, that's what I need to find. Yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. I didn't realize that, but we figured it out. Um I mean, Shark Tank really helped us figure that out along with some Facebook analytics and data. <laughs> and God, you know, pour one out for Facebook analytics for back in the day that what you used to be. I mean, it's scary the amount of information that you used to be able to get as an advertiser uh, on, on Facebook. It's It kind of stinks because now it's not there. But at the same time, like, you probably shouldn't have had that, you know, data available to just anyone anyway. But it kind of stinks as a marketer. So... Say la vie, I guess, but uh, but hey, they, they still know though. So oh oh, they do oh they do. They sure. just don't yeah. give you direct us. access. Yeah. Um. So I so I have I have some questions, NFL related questions and things like that. So I I thought this would be a, a good point to get into that. Um. So look, you know, they call the NFL uh the not for long league, and oh, yeah. you, I mean, you know better than than a lot of people. Uh, how just how true that is now obviously you played for Dallas <laughs> I'm not gonna hold that against you or anything but um, <laughs> you know mine's not in the last uh, 30 years or you know mine's not this hat ain't 30 years old at this point um, but but you you definitely got to play with some great uh, talent right from Tony Romo uh, to to Peyton Manning um, I, I'm I'm really curious uh being a fullback now obviously fullbacks have tailed off uh and and is you know a dying well 
pretty much dead. I don't I don't think anybody comes out as a as a fullback at this point, do they? Yeah, there's there's some there's some fullbacks left for sure. Um, you got you got some guys still repping it pretty hard, but uh, for the most part, it's it's a position that is going to play maybe a third of the snaps, and um, you're still going to have you're going to have offenses that run the ball hard. Uh, you know, like the Ravens, you're going to have uh, you know San Fran. You know, has a has a fullback that makes some good money out there. Um, you know, you're going to have the Patriots. You're going to have Bill Belichick, who always carries a fullback. Um, you know, that's going to just go in there and smash for a couple plays, and then. You know, he's going to expect them to play on all the special teams as well. So it's still out there. When I played, uh, 28 teams had a fullback. Uh, every team I played on, I was the only fullback. So uh, the backup plan is a, a tight end or, you know, a D tackle or really just throwing anyone in there to try to get the job done. But, um, you know, they will carry one. So I was uh, I was one of 28. Did you play uh, fullback through through high, through high school and college? Yeah, so I, I, played, I played fullback in – High school. Um, I then uh, went to the University of Maryland. Uh, had an, a scholarship offer for uh, really the fullback position. I played offense. Uh, after my first my freshman season, I redshirted first in the freshman season. Um, I then transferred to Maryland. Or I'm sorry, from Maryland to Arizona, and uh, played some linebacker, like scout team linebacker. Um, at that point, they didn't really have a fullback. Uh, they then moved me to offense. I started playing more like this H back fullback look. Uh, started with about eight snaps the first game, played really well, got about 20 the second game, uh, and it kind of turned into a real position where I was then playing 30 to 40 snaps a game. So, uh, yeah, played pretty much played fullback uh, my whole life, and then on defense I was I was playing linebacker, more of like a strong safety look in high school. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, but it has to be tough knowing that going into – uh, the NFL draft, knowing that a full, you know, there's only 28 fullback positions out there. Well, 30, I guess in theory up to 32, uh, but only 28 teams at the time carrying them. So I, how, how did that play into, cause like, I, I feel like it's like, I have a golden ticket, a golden opportunity to, to get into the NFL draft, which like, you know, not many people at all get to do that. Um, but then like have an, like how, how does that play on you? Like, what how, what was your feelings about that going in as a fullback versus say as a defenseman? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, <laughs> and I was, I was willing to do whatever it took at whatever position it took. So, um, I, I really didn't think I even had a chance to make it. I was always told, you know, it's one in a million. Um, I had, uh, two other brothers in my own family that were better than me. So, uh, my one in a million was looking really bad at that point because uh, there was already two others that already took that spot. So, um, you know, luckily I did get a chance. Uh, I got an opportunity to play. Um, I, I didn't ask to play fullback. You know, I would have loved to be more of this this tight end slash, you know, H-back type wing look that actually gets to catch some passes. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I was going to do whatever it took. I was too short to play tight end, um, you know, per NFL standards. Uh, I think I was also not fast enough to kind of be like that H back, like wing type guy uh, or smaller tight end that just, you know, can be out there just running crisp routes and, uh, you know, beating corners. So uh, I kind of fell into uh, the only position that I could truly play at that level, uh, which was fullback. And, you know, I, I went out there and uh, for me, <clears throat> I kind of had a no option mentality when I was in the NFL. I had an older brother who got drafted Um you know, in the minor leagues of baseball, uh, I had my other older brother that got drafted to the Lions 
And uh, I had a younger brother that got drafted in the second round that same year uh, that I went undrafted. So um, I knew if I didn't make a roster, I was going to hear about it from uh, literally everyone, including my brothers, for the rest of my life. Uh, so you know, I had to make this team um, no matter what. That was kind of my mentality, and I was going to do whatever it took to make that team. So uh, it's kind of always an underdog, uh, you know, undrafted guy going to the Dallas Cowboys. There hadn't been a drafted play, undrafted player that made the roster in over 10 years. And, um, you know, I had to make that team. So uh, ended up making it as the fullback. Um, actually, they kept two fullbacks the first game. Um, the starting fullback uh, ended up getting hurt and they cut him that game. And um, you know, I took over the role the second game of the year and started the rest of the year. So, uh, man, it was just um, – a tough position for sure, but it was just kind of a mentality. And it was, um, you know, the only position that I could really be successful at at that level. Mm. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of love uh, for the fullback because uh, here in Philly, we have uh, John Ritchie on the radio every morning uh, who was the Eagles fullback and he played somewhere else as well uh, with uh, Gruden, I guess, Tampa Bay. If I think if I was guessing, um, but no, I, I even uh, you know getting uh, to to play uh, Madden and stuff like that. Always liked playing you know the plays that brought the fullback out to get you know the two, three, four yards. Oh yeah, and, uh, smash up the the middle there. So yeah, um, man. What was the, oh, what was the guy? Was it Allstott? Yeah, he was a beast, man. He got yeah. to run the ball and just truck people. Um, I do, I do have a quick story for you that you'll probably like. Just. Um, because I know you've been, you know, just giving me trash about being a cowboy. So, ah, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's man. So <laughs> when I got released from the Cowboys, um, you know, you get put on waivers for 24 hours, and a team can pick you up. Um, so I actually got picked up, uh, but I had multiple teams put in for me. And how it works is when you have multiple teams put in for you, uh, you have to first uh, they got to they got to take you on whatever your current contract is. So. Um, I got released. They, they picked up my contract. But I also then you get rewarded to the team that has the least amount of wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a way to kind of make it fair, um, I guess, for teams uh, that, that are trying to pick up some players uh, that are kind of struggling. So I ended up getting rewarded to um, the Colts. So uh, the other team that tried to pick me up was was the Eagles. So I actually would have been on the Eagles roster. Um, they would have rostered me my, my second year. Uh, if the Colts didn't put in for me. So um, I would have been a Philadelphia Eagle. I uh, played against them twice the previous year and uh, must have had some good games against them because they tried to snag me that that following year. But I went to the Colts instead, got stuck in um, a Peyton Manning offense. The first day I got there, they had, uh, I think, three plays for a fullback written up. And I was like, man, what what am I doing here? And they're like, well, uh, we're not sure if Peyton's going to play this year, so we need some run support. And so I ended up being the uh, the first fullback in the Peyton Manning era. <laughs> and that was in 09? So that was uh, 2011 for the Colts. Oh, um, oh, I ended okay. up, uh, playing that season, we started off 0-13. Um, I ended yep. up tearing my pec, uh, tackling Darren Sproles. Yeah. Uh, our week seven game where we got blown out, I think, 63-3 to against the Saints. Um, I was out for the season. I had surgery. I uh, came back and... Uh, Peyton Manning got traded. A guy named Bruce Arians came in. Um, he was cited that he would never use a fullback. 
And I was like, well, no, this is, this is going to be interesting. Another uh, Philly guy. <laughs> yeah, he came up to me. Um, he said, hey, uh, I saw you played more of like an H look in um, uh, H back look in, in college. You know, would you like to catch a bunch of balls for us? And I was like, yes, sir, man. This is like a dream come true, right? And um, about a week later, uh, I'm actually, I'm starting on all the special teams, um, kind of like more of this H-back look. And um, all of a sudden, I'm not practicing anymore. They kind of just don't even put me in for the entire practice. And I'm like, man, I don't know what I did wrong, uh, but this isn't good. So um, right before the practice ends, they're about to break, uh, you know, break the huddle, call everyone in. I get a tap on my shoulder. And they told me, hey, um, you know, you have a plane flight booked. You'll be in Denver tonight. We just traded you. So um, ended up then getting traded to Denver. Uh, all you do is you take a suitcase with you and they ship all the rest of your stuff to you. Uh, got there and I was now back in the Peyton Manning offense again. <laughs> so they traded me to be in Peyton again. And, um, you know, again, was in a situation where they didn't know how well he'd be able to throw the ball and they wanted some more run support. Uh, so traded for me. I ended up going there and uh, probably played about, man, maybe maybe about 40 snaps on offense that entire year in that Peyton Manning offense. So I got really good at special teams that year, though, uh, and graded out as the third best special teams player. So uh, hey. that, was, that was my season, man. I did catch one ball from Peyton, though. So uh, that was that was good. Did you get to did you get to keep that ball though? <laughs> in it, man. I, you know, it was actually kind of early on in the season. Um, I thought I was gonna get more than one pass for the entire year. Uh didn't happen, but you know, good memories. Ended up getting to play against New England uh that season as well. Uh John Fox was the coach uh in Denver at the time, and he had this whole game plan where he wanted me to score more touchdowns than my brother, uh, so that I could talk trash to him. So uh, he actually put in the, these uh, these goal line packages where he was going to throw the ball to me. And uh, we got down to the goal line. We ran the play. And, uh, of course, Belichick, just being Belichick, uh, pretty much knows everything that's going to happen. So uh, play was covered. He had, he had Patrick Chung just sitting there in the flat where I was you know, running this flat route that no one thought I was going to run because I didn't run a freaking flat route the whole year. But uh, somehow, some way, uh, you know, there's a guy just standing there waiting for me out in the flat. So I uh, didn't get to score against my brother, but uh, I did get special teams player of the week that week. So that was cool. Ah, that's cool. <laughs> and I'll Patrick Chung, another, another eagle. Man, uh, yeah, he did for a little bit, for sure. Yeah, for, yeah, it was for a little bit. We didn't we didn't have a whole lot of love for him when he was here, but uh, yeah, he did he did play. Um, spe- speaking of your brother, I so I I. What's your take on the USAA commercials? Man, um, I think they got a, a little bit better lately, but the whole uh, I'm special was was definitely interesting. Uh, I, it doesn't I, seem to send the right message. Like, it seems like a weird me- – like, I think it's great that he's getting to do it. I don't, I don't love them. Like, it makes him look goofy. Yeah, I mean like, – I wish he had more of a, you know, the the commercials like Tom Brady where they make him look really good. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's kind of people put that as his persona because he likes to have a good time. Uh, so, you know, it plays off well. But, you know, really at the end of the day, um, you know, he's a lot smarter than he comes off. Uh, I, I tell people this all the time. And, you know, if you were 20 years old and someone gave you a guaranteed, you know, $4 million dollars, you know, what were you going to do at that time? You know, I was, I was 23 when I entered the league and 
they gave me $4 million. I don't know what I would have done, but, uh, you know, he was super responsible with it. Uh, he kept every penny. He was still, after I was done playing, I used to go visit him. He was still taking home food, food from the complex. And I'm like, man, you have like enough money to live for the rest of your life at this point. And, um, you know, you're still bringing home food from the complex like we did in, in college. So, uh, man, yeah, I mean, everything, relationships, you know, the way he's carried himself, the things he's done after football is, is so impressive. So a uh, lot smarter than than you would think. And um, those commercials, yeah, just make him look like he's not very intelligent. So I agree yeah. with you. And I wish I wish they gave him more of, you know, the beast mode kind of mentality, kind of persona uh, on these commercials where, uh, you know, he was he was this guy that was just, you know, a beast, man. Like kind of like the rocks persona. That's how I see him. Like you got to be like the rock and uh, you'll come out there and just, just dominate like you did on the field and uh, you know, show, show your true, uh, you know, just skills and dominance instead of, you know, being this guy that, that uh, just doesn't, you know, I mean, really they're playing the persona of a dumb jock and, and I just don't think it fits that well either. Yeah. And I, I mean, look, I don't have a lot of love for the Patriots. But, you know, I respect, Gronk, you know, Rob for for what he did and, ha, you know, has been able to do. And uh, I mean, it's 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 great to see him on uh, on Mon on uh, Sunday mornings uh, on Fox. Uh, I, I It seemed like I mean, th this was the first I guess this was the first Sunday morning I had watched in a while. And uh, and seeing him there, like they need to give they need to give him a little more opportunity. It feels like he's trying to. I don't want to say third wheel, but like. Hey, just, they, just, had, they had him jump out of a plane the week before. So, yeah, they, they mentioned that. <laughs> they mentioned that. <laughs> oh, man. So, no, for sure. I mean, I, I also, um, I don't think he enjoys the analytics side of things as much as some of the other guys do as well. Um, it's tough. It's tough being a player and then trying to go back and, you know, kind of like grade out players and like talk about things that people should be doing because you know how hard it is to get there. Uh, you know what it takes to be successful. And sometimes, you know, even when you put the work in, sometimes it just doesn't work out. So um, I think it's kind of hard for him to sit there and you'll kind of break down someone, um, you know, on what they're doing or not doing just because of, you know, the, his status as a former player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that speaks a lot to his uh, acumen and, and his want, like the, I guess the, the true him that we're not necessarily getting to see. Right. And, uh, and, and also going back to the USAA example, right. Like that's, you know, it plays into that persona, but like, it, it's like a soft and like squishy Rob Gronkowski, not the one that we feared playing against in uh, like lots of times. Over oh, the yeah. years, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and and yeah, so I, I I hope I hope that he he's able to find uh, his own voice in that and and find his own comfort level of being able to uh, critique without putting down people that are putting in that work and and I and that's why that's what things like you know here in Philly we have uh, our radio station right like and and we're very passionate about our our sports and. Uh, and our sports teams and and sometimes overly critical I think to a to a fault where it's like you know like we're sitting at nine and one and like people are calling up and like the sky's falling and it's like well yeah like things weren't perfect but like okay like we could talk about the things that quite weren't quite perfect but like let's not dunk on a team that's that's sitting nine and one either right like let's kind of enjoy the fact that this is rare air we're breathing here no for sure yeah one of the first things I learned is 
you know, it's it's hard to win in the NFL. And um, the second biggest thing is it's hard to beat a good team twice. You know, that uh, You learn that really quick. So, um, and everyone, no matter how bad of a season ha- a team has, that's still the best players in the world, man, that you're playing against. You know, that's – and I love the comparison where people say, you know, can, uh, you know, the best college team beat uh, the worst NFL team? And the answer is absolutely no chance. Uh, I mean, these guys are doing it for a living. When you do it for a living and this is how you feed your family, the level goes up so, so fast that, you know, you're playing so hard each and every play. And you're also, you're picking from the cream of the crop, you know, the best college players in the world, not just, you know, from the last four high school seasons, uh, like a college team is, you know, you're, you're picking it from the last, you know, 10 you know, maybe even 20 years, if you're Tom Brady, uh, you know, you're, you're getting to choose the, the best players in the world over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years to be on your team. Uh, the, the speed, the talent, everything in the NFL is just uh, just absolutely insane. And I don't I don't think people realize how big of the gap uh, there really is between college uh, and the NFL. Yeah, well, I, I to me, I, I when I when people bring that that topic up, I'm just like, have you not watched the games where it's like 47 to, to seven? Like, and it happens like every week consistently, and it's like that's what it's going to look like if you know if, if an NFL team played against them. I mean, maybe they'd score 14 points, maybe. Yeah, that'd be tough, man. That'd be tough. But yeah, it's hard to win, man. So yeah, I mean, nine and ones, it's extremely impressive. Uh, but really, I mean, I think it comes down to teams getting hot at the end uh, and being healthy. You know, if you're healthy at the very end of the season, that's when you go on a win, man. That's that's when you see these teams that were mediocre and, um, you know, everyone comes back at the right time. Uh, they're now healthy. Everyone's firing. And, you know, once you get in the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. But a lot of times it's, you know, who is the healthiest team that's on the field at that point? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. That uh, that it does play a huge role in it. Um, being able to to stay healthy and have the people of it, the best of the best available at the yep. time, right? Uh, so, uh, uh, Chris, what was your childhood dream growing up? Man, I don't know. Um, you know, we we, had, we definitely all kind of aspired to, um, you know, be athletes. Uh, you know, for me, I didn't think that was a possibility to take it to the highest level. Uh, I was the shortest in the family, uh, probably the slowest. Uh, you know, I was kind of the little chunky one as well uh, early on. And my brothers used to make fun of me because I guess my their favorite thing was my nipples went in because I was so fat, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, like, that's all they would talk Painful. about, you know, and just uh, just crush me over it. So, you know, I just used to I remember I'd spend days, uh, you know, kind of in the gym, you know, working on abs and doing whatever I could. And I came out, you know, being the strongest of all the brothers. I still have, you know, high school records uh, for, for weightlifting, but um, yeah, man, growing up, um, you know, it was, it was to play sports, but uh, really, I, I don't think it was something that yeah, I really put a ton of attention to. And um, you now I, I feel like I wish I appreciated uh, my career a little bit more. Uh, I didn't realize like how truly, how special it was being there and how hard it was to really get there. Uh, so you know, we were always kind of the best at everything we did growing up. Uh, and it was because we put the work in. Our dad had the gym in the basement. You know, I'm competing against uh, my older brothers that, uh, you know, their friends are also over. And they're all some of the best players uh, for their age groups. And I, and I had the chance to play along with them. So, uh, man, a lot of it, I think, uh, 
just, I just took for granted, um, you know, uh, the circumstances that I was in and I didn't, I didn't truly realize how special they were. So, but yeah, man, growing up, um, I, I guess, I guess really at the end of the day, it was kind of a, a hope and a dream that I could be, be an athlete at that level, but I just didn't truly think it would ever come true. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's difficult to, uh, to wrangle with, especially when you were saying like, it's one in a million to, to get, uh, to get into the NFL and, uh, or, or, or really compete on any professional level sport, uh, in general is, is such a small sliver, uh, of opportunity for you to be able to take it. And then also, as we said, be healthy, right? Like, you know, injuries, uh, you know, can put that, put that back and any kind of outside life, uh, you know, instances can change, you know, how you're feeling and how you're feeling about getting back into the gym or, or just get, you know, moving forward. For sure. Um, so what does the future of ice shaker look like? Man, things have been good. Things have been good. We've grown every year since being on shark tank, um, at least 20% every year since that. Uh, just got NFL licensing, uh, really all teams, all leagues, but the NFL was the big dog that we were really trying to get. So uh, absolutely huge for, for us. It's a really cool partnership. We'll end up you know, in all the big retailers uh, with this product as well. Uh, but man, yeah, we're, we're just still every day trying to get better, trying to reach more people. I think um, a good way to explain it is you know, we've sold millions of bottles at this point. Uh, but if you walk down the street from my warehouse and you ask 10 people if they know what Ice Shaker is, uh, maybe one person knows who we are still. So uh, just a lot of opportunity that's still out there. Uh, we can still continue to expand uh, into the, 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 the products with the products that we already have. I, I don't think we need to go out there and make uh, you know, hundreds of new items still at this point. I think we need to saturate the market that we're in uh, even more than we currently have. And really, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity left. So um, continuing to do well with our current partnerships and growing with them is huge. Continuing to find new partnerships like our, our Pit Viper One uh, is a good example. Uh, we have another one with a company called Bumpbox where we have a speaker um, that actually twists onto the bottom of our bottles. Uh, we just got that back in stock for the holidays. It became a massive uh, gift for the bowl games. I think we have six bowl games that have ordered that item already. Uh, so that's pretty cool to see. But um yeah, man, just continuing to do a great job with what we have and with the partners that we have and, and continuing to grow um, with them is big. These licensing opportunities and partnerships uh, have also been a massive win for us as well. Well, that that is that is awesome. I would uh, be remiss if I didn't give a huge shout out to Larry Roberts, who's a, a friend of the channel uh, for connecting us in the first place. So uh, thank you, Larry. I, I should have mentioned that at the beginning of the video, but yeah, you know, we get around to it. <laughs> um, and so how can people get your product, Chris? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, all of our new stuff and customization and all that's on iceshaker.com. So, uh, man, just, just launched the new site as well, uh, I think two weeks ago. So we just gave it a nice little refresh. So I like, I like seeing it, man. It makes me happy, but, um, Iceshaker.com for sure. Um, we're also in the GNCs, the vitamin shops. Uh, we are in Lifetime Fitness. Uh, we're in 24-hour fitness. But, uh, you know, when you're in retail, it's select SKUs. Uh, you, there's not as much. Uh, there might be, uh, you know, if you go to Lifetime, they carry the most of our SKUs. You might find, uh, you know, six or eight SKUs there. But most of the stores are carrying just a couple. 
Uh, and if you want that personalization aspect and you want to make it uh, you know special just for you, come to our website and um, customize the bottle as well. So iShaker.com is where it's at. Awesome. You absolutely should. Uh, I think I also thought it was really cool that you show the process of it being uh, uh, em, em, uh, not embroidered. Yeah, laser engraved. Yeah. Laser engraved. Like that's that's pretty sweet to yeah. see. Anyway, Chris, I really appreciate you taking the time today to come in here uh, right the, the day before Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to you and I your family. It. You too. And uh, I would love to have you on again a year or two to follow up, see how things are going and uh, and go from there. I appreciate it, Joe. Thanks so much for having me on. You're so welcome. And thank you for making it all the way to the end. Uh, If you've enjoyed this video, uh, watch Chris's pitch up here if you haven't seen it. Uh, If not, I'll see you in the video down below. Take care and Kobe super.